Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban and I'm your host for today, your guide, merely your facilitator. Our guest of honor today is Carlos Kemeny. He is the CEO at drumdata.ai and the host of the AI Decision Guide podcast. We're going to talk about decision making today. That's a great premise for today because Carlos, he's got a study that he sent me before we got a chance to record and I realized that I don't have a model through which I make my decisions. And that is partially why I'm led to indecision. So anyways, Carlos, thank you for being here and spending some time with us. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me. So catch us up on the journey. We always like to give some context, the origin story, the villain story, who knows, depends on what side we're looking at. But take us as far back as you think might be relevant and then catch us up on a little bit about what you're doing today. Yeah, thank you. So I think that going back to my PhD experience, so I was at Carnegie Mellon, did a dual PhD in engineering public policy and an economics-based field and learned how important it was to study how people acted and behaved. And so that experience with data and decision-making is where I think the origination of the study of human behavior really started to take a foundational root in my curiosity, but also my expertise. And so I studied as my dissertation is focused on how to make decisions in environments of uncertainty, specifically with venture capitalists and private equity, and found out based on certain institutions like non-competes and a stronger form of trade secret protection, inevitable disclosure, which doesn't even require a contract, how investors invested based on these types of rules in different states. And then like political orientation, how a state votes in favor of a governor and a president, which is somewhat salient right now, right, as elections have become more dominant in the news cycles and how they relate to investment and entrepreneurship. These are the things I studied. And that lent itself to a lot of my focus now, which is how do people use AI to help them make decisions? And how do we interact with AI in a way where there's trust and there's a prediction or predictability around the use and its output that it's productive? And so a lot of what the research that I've done as part of the company is focused on is the extent that people trust AI in their sleep. So we have a bundle of decisions and we observe how people trust AI to help them with that decision. For example, a marriage decision. A lot of people don't want anything from input from AI to help them with the marriage decision, but they're more likely to use AI to help them with the dating decision. And so that's interesting. Or one of the biggest outcomes of this study is that people don't want AI to participate in the marriage decision, but they're equally likely to not want AI to participate in liking a social media post. That's fascinating. And so a lot of the work that I've done in the data space and the decision space has been around these concepts, which is how do you build products that gain trust? of people to use them to help them make decisions. Yeah, we'll link up that study if that's okay. I had that exact same thought where I did the marriage one because that was easy. And then there was a number of them, about 15, and I glanced through them and I said, let me pick off the easy ones. And I went immediately to the liking of the social media posts. And I said, definitely not going to have an AI do that. And so it's just an interesting observation. But one question that I like to ask on this show is what big misconception do you think that perhaps business owners, we can narrow the focus there. Do you think that business owners, or maybe it is people, what misconception do they have about AI? Because it has become this buzzword, this hot topic, and everybody has an opinion. But I know there's got to be something that has you slamming your palm against your forehead saying that people just don't quite get it. 
if there's one thing that I could tell business owners that are listening, it's that AI is any different in terms of the problems that they face using AI. It's the same as data and business intelligence, which never really caught people's hearts and minds in a way that it's actually useful. I am a big voice to the fact that BI has failed. And the reason why BI has failed is because there's this expectation that you don't have to do anything and you'll have all this data and it will help you make a decision. The problem that everybody knows inherently in their own personal lives, but doesn't exactly understand in business. And this happens in that one to infinity space where zero to one, you have some data and you're getting some signal and it's pretty clean because you're trying to get product market fit. And that is clean because either you're getting people to buy or you're not. It's a very one or zero. And I like the zero to one for that reason. The problem is that a lot of business owners at that point say, wow, we need some analytics. Like we're going to need to grow our business. And so I need more data. The problem is more data creates more noise. And more noise, when you think about the output of business intelligence, everybody says, oh, it's to help us drive decisions. We've heard that over and over again. You've heard that too. The problem is that when you make personal decisions, you actually try to filter out all of the noise and all this periphery. You're not getting more information. You're getting better information on the things that matter. And so why BI has failed a lot of one to infinity companies, and I'm talking about the biggest fortune companies too, I've worked with many C-suites in that space, is that they inherently think that more data, more infrastructure, more architecture is actually going to help them with decisions. The problem is that's an inverse relationship. The more data that you have, the more noise it creates. And AI is no different. The problem with AI and this disconnect with BI and what's been learned from BI is that you're not going to automate something you don't trust. And AI is automating that BI. Isn't that ironic? And if you ask companies, and I actually did this exercise, I pulled a number of companies in Utah and I said, hey, how much do you trust? If you left the room and you have somebody else make a decision off of your dashboard, how much do you trust it'll be the same decision and it'll be a good decision? Zero to 10. And the answer was 2.4 out of 10. I don't trust it. So wait, so AI is going to automate that and you're not going to have insight into that and it's going to make decisions for you. Tell me about that. Help me understand why that's a good idea. And that's inherently why business owners are trying to go from this concept of BI, but not fix the reasons why BI is broken, which is reducing noise and then jumping to AI is that nothing has changed. It's only going to get worse. And so every business owner, hopefully listening to this, is thinking, gee, why don't I not introduce, why, why don't I avoid this problem altogether and not necessarily focus on getting more data in, why don't I just get the right data in and then automate that when it works and it's trustworthy? And that's really my big advocacy. It's do that, folks, do that. That's going to help your business so much more. It seems like it's getting to the root of the issue, right? You're not curing, you're not treating a symptom, but you're really treating the problem there. Because yeah, I think that if you're not giving the AI the right intelligence, if you will, the right data, the right info, then it's not going to be able to make the right sort of decision. So on the other side, are there some of your favorite use cases? I think another big problem is that because it's so, it's not that it's new. I'm sure you've been in the space for a long time. And so these sorts of things are not necessarily new. They just have become mainstream and maybe a little more accessible than they were. And please, if I'm wrong about that, speak to that as well. But would love for you to talk about how someone might be able to utilize and leverage AI or ways that they may not be thinking about or even stuff that's in front of their face that they can do already. Or maybe the answer is just to go back and start with getting your numbers better. But I'm curious how, like on the other side of it, what are some cool things that you've seen? I think that product roadmaps, it's funny, every single board is asking this question right now, specifically once you've had product market fit. It's how are we using AI? What's our roadmap, right? How are we injecting AI in our product? And 
if you ask a lot of CTOs, and I've talked to a lot of them, talked to a lot of boards, there's not a concise objective for what, why are we using AI and how. So prescription number one, get a mission statement and a value statement. Get your VPs, whoever is leading over AI, you better demand that they come up with a mission statement and a roadmap for AI particularly. And it shouldn't look like a zero to one jump again. So if you have product market fit, the best way to implement AI with predictable ROI, and that's important in this world because otherwise you're going to be staffing with very expensive engineers, which you probably don't want to do just to have AI and to use that marketing message. The best way to use this is actually to start cheap and fast, implement things that are cheap in AI to get a baseline. I can't tell you how many companies, even in BI, didn't establish a baseline for processes they were trying to change. And again, if the focus here is on decision-making, and it is, by the way, there's two reasons why you're going to use AI. It's one, and either this is internally or for the customer. It's either to automate something so that there's labor productivity and make it so that somebody doesn't have to work on something that is low value, but that's a machine can do, or that you're supplementing the work now with, you know, something of value to the company that they couldn't otherwise get. I use fraud detection as an example of this. When you have a lot of data, having an individual look through that isn't going to produce a lot of value versus a outlier detection, right? Or fraud. And so that is this productivity element. The other point of this is now decision-making. Either you're automating a internal person's decision and that can be done, or you're helping somebody make a decision that's a customer. So that's, if we're clear on those being the outputs, then AI has to be contributing to one of those things, right? If it's not, then you shouldn't have it on your roadmap. So that's point number two. You should have a clear objective and an ROI that's attached to that. And then three, going back to this point about establishing a baseline, once you have a baseline, you can understand what the incremental benefit is of adopting and improving the model. So if I have an AI model that is a baseline, it's out of the box, it's something that's open source, and I implement it. And it's good enough for my customers. Why am I going to then spend an extra $400,000 a year or $600,000 a year or a million dollars a year on something that's not going to produce a tangible return beyond that? And so now we're getting into the economics, right? The kind of the unit economics, but starting with a baseline is really important. So if you don't do that right now, you should be doing that as a company. If you say, okay, great. I'm a company. I want to have AI. Start with a roadmap and a vision for what it is. Two, understand that one of those two objectives has to meet any project that you do. And three, everything that you should do at the beginning should be cheap, fast, and that you should establish a baseline. And then that gives you now a groundwork, the foundation that you need to understand, okay, how much work do I need to put in and why am I doing this project? So I know that's very fundamental and it's very kind of process driven. But I think that right now we're in that world of AI and people are trying to do different projects and they're trying to do pie in the sky moonshots, but that has been proven to not show very much value and it's very expensive. And so every company, this is a general prescription, but I think it's widely applicable that doesn't have an embedded AI process already needs to get one. And that's really good for CTOs that want to go to the board. It's good for you to show that you have the vision and that you have an understanding of how this fits into your company. But I also think that ROI should be at the very root of any product initiative, especially AI right now. I think another, and I'm just realizing this as you're talking, is like the ignorance of it, because so much of that is, is you're like the fundamental things to get in place before we even approach this. Do you have certain buckets for... Yeah, maybe you touched on them a little bit before their operations or activities or things, because I think a lot of people, they see really what's just in the headlines, right? They see, oh my goodness, a CEO got fired 
isn't he that guy? These chat GPT thing. And I don't know that they know that it goes beyond just some of these things that are mainstream. So to expose like a business owner who might have an accounting firm or might have a, some sort of service-based business, maybe they're a contractor or something like that, where the way that they've done things, they've done things forever. And so now the concept of implementing something like this is so to the side of it. Can you help them bridge that gap of how they might implement it or integrate it into their business once they have some of these fundamental things set up? Well, you look at what your customers need, right? If I was looking at a feature that people have been asking for, or let's say it's your killer feature, how does AI improve that? What's the incremental benefit then from integrating AI? I'd start there always. That's the best place to do it. Get a baseline established. And probably you don't even have a good baseline, but let's say that you have a number of steps or processes that you take right now that require three interventions with the customer before something is automated. And people want self-serve. Can AI help with that? Or is the AI even necessary? And so this follows a lot of the UX principles. But let's say that there's a cost that's associated with some of these touch points. And now you can improve the profitability based on using AI for something that's low risk, high quality. What I mean by that is you have a well-bounded problem. You have data around that. It's very reliable. Can you use AI then to learn from that? Maybe it's categorizing tags and supply chain. And you have 10 people working on categorization. Great. Use machine learning. Like, great. Use that project. And I did a project like that for a Fortune 10. And it took them from 60% quality on first pass to 98% quality on first pass. It really obliterated that first level. And that really didn't take that much time. And so you need somebody that knows these models. You need to bring in, if that's a consultant, great. If that's somebody that's internal that wants to learn. But I'd put them on a project and say, hey, this is our most important feature. We want to save some money. Can you use AI to help build that, like to improve that? That's a really good project. It's pretty well-bounded. It's something that you already know you have product market fit on. Now you can see real improvement and you can start building competency around AI. And again, to me, it's about this very basic quadrant from BCG, right? It's two by two. It's a high value, low value, high risk, low risk. Go in the low risk, high value bucket for AI. That's a really good way to start. And it's not as scary. Yeah, this is great stuff. Carlos, when we get back from break, I want to dive into more of these. You've got some great systems and you've got some great frameworks. So I would love to hear some more of these ways, especially with regards to decision making and how AI might impact that. And so we're going to get into that after we get back from break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content creation company. We like to think of ourselves as genius creators or platform builders, because chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably have a mission, a message, a product or service, something you want to get out to the world, but you may not have the time, the team, or the tech skills to be able to do that. And so if that's the case, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to the interview with Carlos. Carlos, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about this, geez, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not a survey. You are doing a study on this decision-making and how people are integrating AI into their decision-making process. And you talked about a number of the insights. I'd love for you to share whatever you think is important. It's a really simply and well-designed study, but I'd imagine that you're able to gleam a lot of insights from it. Take us into a little bit about what you guys did there. Thank you. Just the origination of the study. I remember it was one morning I woke up. Isn't that funny how that happens? Like you wake up and you kind of have these thoughts, but I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting 
if somebody did a study on how much people trust AI in their sleep. If they were sleeping, would they let AI do things for them? And as I thought about that and pondered and started researching it, I saw there was a lot of literature, lots of news media on the automation of jobs and AI. And that's what you'll find a lot of discussion around, but very little discussion around how much do people trust AI to make decisions for them? There's just not that much. And so maybe there's some commentary pieces, but there hasn't been any hard research done on it. And so this was an attempt to fill that gap. And so I thought, hey, let's take a bundle of decisions. Let me pair some equal opposite decisions. Like one's a grocery decision. Would you let AI pick everything in your cart and check out for you versus a fine dining decision, which I thought, yeah, that's like a little bit more special, more consequential, like more important. The same with the retirement decision. Like when I've done retirement investments, there's one thing about your normal 401k, but then what if you have an oil investment opportunity in front of you? How do you treat that? Or again, a dating decision and a marriage decision. So I created a bundle of decisions. Again, I'm an economist. So for me, I was thinking, okay, let me study how these relate to one another and how people feel about them. And interestingly enough, I was driving with my family to San Diego. We were you know, leaving Utah and we we're in the middle of Nevada. And I got the detour notification because we we're stuck in traffic in the middle of nowhere in Nevada. And it said, hey, take this side road. And Apple made that prescription. So I took it and it led me to this dirt road that I couldn't get on. And so I had to turn around and I thought, I'll never trust Apple Maps again in the middle of Nevada. So that started getting me thinking about context. Oh, maybe people trust AI in certain contexts, but maybe not in others. Uh, maybe you trust it when you're driving locally on roads and you know the roads and you're like, yeah, this 80% of the time I'm going to do this. But then with my experience, maybe you don't trust it as much when you're in the middle of nowhere. And so I put the study together, I released it out, and the results are really fascinating. So a couple things that I'll just mention, and folks who are interested, they can go hopefully in the link, we can make that available, research.drumdata.ai, you fill it out, and then you'll see a heat map against everybody else's decision-making choices. But I found number one first, the biggest overall finding was that people don't trust AI that much to make decisions for them on average. So on a scale of zero to 10, we found that 4.7 is the average that people want AI maybe to participate in some decisions, not all decisions. They still want to retain control. And I call this Jean Valjean, the Jean Valjean effect. Les Mis, you know that Jean Valjean steals a loaf of bread to feed family, right? And there's something to be said about having agency to make the call of what's right and wrong, even when maybe the rules say that it's not, right? Stealing a loaf of bread is clearly wrong, but if it's feeding children, is that right or wrong? So like this idea that we are agents of our own choices, that we have freedom to choose is very important. And I think that's partly what explains this. Two, an interesting finding is that social media, like I said, was very similar, in fact, the most similar to marriage, which shows also that there are some very specific types of choices that don't necessarily seem to relate, but they do in this way of being able to control and have full control over that. The reason why people didn't want social media to uh, AI to like social media posts was not because it wasn't, they didn't view it to be a time saver or anything like that. The reason why that the majority of people selected it close to no AI involvement was because they didn't want it to like the wrong post. What if it likes the wrong politician's post and now people cancel me? So what that showed is this interesting dynamic between marriage, which is a proactive choice. I'm going to marry someone and I'm going to commit to doing that versus a penalty. If I do this, if I let something decide for me, I might get a big penalty. And so that was fascinating to me. The other thing that I'd mention in the findings here 
is that, and this is important, I think, for listeners to understand, is that companies are a mediator between somebody's decision and the algorithms that are being used like to create choice. And so like the company, if somebody trusts the company, then there people are more likely willing to let the company then put an algorithm together and then for them to use that algorithm, right? They're not like super astounding or surprising. But what this means from a finding perspective is that as companies then deliberately make decisions to make people trust them more, then they will trust their algorithms more and they have more control over that. Case in point, LinkedIn, their newsfeed. The more that a company then gains trust from its users and gets usage, the more that they're okay with the newsfeed producing content for them to consume. And Facebook has a lot of ire from this because there's clearly a lot of studies that show that engagement is increased when you put people that don't agree with each other and there's fireworks there, right? And this increases engagement. So it's an interesting question for companies to understand, which is how do we gain people's trust? And then here's the moral question or the societal question, which is what's the right way to be trusted and, and what, what do I do with that? Clearly companies play a role here in gaining trust and then using algorithms to do that. Those are really the kind of the key findings early in the study. But I feel like this is probably one of the first studies that I've been able to see where someone is actually studying to what extent people trust AI to make decisions for them. And I think it's been a really good research study to do. Yeah, your point about businesses, I don't want to say relying or needing trust, but that there is some correlation between that trust that they've built with their customers or their audience and how much AI or how much algorithms that customer base allows them to use. I'm not surprised by that, but I think that's a fascinating and important point. I think this is important for companies is one more implication of this is that don't release anything that is going to question that trust. So if you release an AI product that's premature and that your data quality is not good, let's say that you release something prematurely here in this space. The problem is just like my experience with Apple. When I was in the middle of Nevada and I had that experience, I basically swore that I'd never use Apple again in the middle of Nevada, just stay on the highway. And so there is an effect if you release AI in that way. So that's why I continually say low risk, high value, the predictability, right? If you release something, make sure that it works in this space right now, because it's going to affect the trust that they have in your future products. Fascinating. Carlos, if people want to get connected to you, dive deeper into what you're doing, where's the best place to go? Carlos at drumdata.ai. You can reach me there. And yeah, I ultimately, I'd love for people to take this research study. Let me know what your thoughts are. And hopefully you'll see some articles coming out shortly from this study. And then ultimately, a lot of my passion right now is helping companies to develop AI products and to incrementally follow this roadmap approach that I've outlined. So if there's any interest that folks have in connecting about those things as well, I'd love to chat. And you've got a podcast as well. It's called the AI Decision Guy podcast. I interview C-suites on these things in their industries. One, for example, we'll talk to medical AI CEO, and we talked about what are the implications of AI and trust in the medical space. And so that was fascinating. And we just go through and, and talk about decision making. I think that there's one thing that I'd love to evangelize every time that I do a podcast is how important deliberate decision-making is on the choices of how we adopt AI now. And that's not just for companies, that's for consumers. And so that's a big part of my platform right now is just convincing people, make deliberate decisions, don't default adopt like we did with social media, ask some good questions and deliberately choose what technology you're adopting right now with AI. Yeah, it's a great and needed message. The tool is here. 
and there was not a, a whole lot of like internet here's how to use it the right way and so i think we can make sure that we, we get that right the second time around i want to thank you listeners for sticking with us and encourage you guys to go get connected with carlos go listen to his show connected with him on linkedin as well and if you know someone else who should be listening to this or needs to hear this episode hit the little share button there's a share button right by your you're in your podcast player and, and send them a text and send them a message and, and spread the message and grow the tribe together but appreciate you as always being here we'll see you on the next one later y'all